0: Welcome to Logical, the UAE's first, still the only legal podcast. My name's Tim Elliott, and Logical comes to you from the Dubai-based legal firm, HPL Yamalava and Pleska, here in JLT, 18th floor, overlooking sunny Dubai. Here's the managing partner, Ludmilla Yamalova. Good to see you.
1: Good to see you too, Tim.
0: This time, Ludmilla, the subject is insurance, so we're going to be talking about making plans, protecting interests, what you need, what you must have, what might be a good idea when it comes to covering yourself for all eventualities. And I wanted to start, Ludmilla, just by really sort of, I guess, garnering your opinion. Insurance is an important thing, but a friend of mine once said to me, it's a total waste of money, but there's a proviso until you need it.
1: Indeed, and this is why it's such a polarised subject because on the one hand, we all uh, dislike the idea of parting with money on a regular basis mm-hmm. uh, and for uh, an eventuality that we all hope in, in the, most of our cases will never take place. Yeah. On the other hand, as you said, uh, if, it does, if that eventuality does happen, it certainly is a very nice, um, a truly insurance uh, plan or coverage or a comfort blanket to have at that point in time. Uh, so it is a very polarized subject, and many and many views exist uh, yeah, kind of across the world about uh, the insurance industry in general, and why it is um, a topical subject for for us to discuss here in the UAE is because while in some countries insurance is sort of it's a given, it's it's anything we do, let's say in the US, insurance is uh, a sort of it's it's almost like a subconscious. Uh, term to everything we do you buy a car you get a car insurance you um, um, you buy a house you get a house insurance uh, you rent a property you get a rent ins- uh, rental insurance uh, so it's sort of attached to many it's at least not necessarily that people do it or pay for it and usually it's because they don't they just don't have the money to pay or they just want to be more judicial about uh, what they pay for. Uh, But certainly it's much more common uh, to at least have the discussion or or think about it uh, in, in other countries. In the UAE, on the other hand, it's not really a topic that comes up very often, and it used to come up even less often. Uh, until a few years ago, when in uh, Dubai in particular introduced insurance as a mandatory requirement, health insurance, that is, as a mm. mandatory requirement uh, for all uh, companies to provide to their employees. Until that time, insurance almost never factored into our kind of vocabulary, if you will, uh, in this country. Now, it's been a few years. Now, in Abu Dhabi, um, there was always a requirement uh, for companies, uh, for employers to provide health insurance to their employees. In Dubai, that that requirement was introduced about maybe five or six years ago. Uh, and so now, uh, at least as far as health insurance is is, requ- is concerned, it is a requirement that is mandatory. So here, in this case, it's not an optional; it's a it's a mandatory subject for us to consider.
0: But I mean, the thing is, and you point this out, it's a relatively recent development. So in the UAE context, medical insurance, health insurance, is a uh, must. I mean, by law. Or to get a to get a residence visa stamped, medical insurance is mandatory. Plus, it's linked to your Emirates ID. In most, I think, in all cases now, with uh, health cards, if you like. Um, let's stick with the UAE context a little bit further. Car insurance—you w- couldn't register a car without insuring it.
1: Correct, and that's and that's also fairly perhaps. Uh, recent developments again the uae itself is a fairly recent it's a recent country or a new country uh, so a lot of these practices are new for all the right reasons uh, but um, there is uh, we're seeing more uh, insurance being a mandatory uh, so element of um, kind of day-to-day life uh, and that's in every year we see different angles to that so for example as, as you rightfully said if, when you buy a car in order to register a car now you need to have car insurance uh, if you want to um, work in the UAE you need to have a residence visa and as part of the residence visa now in Dubai there is this requirement of having health insurance attached to your visa so you cannot get residence visa in Dubai unless you also have health insurance uh, also from a business perspective for example is when you get um, as it depends on what business you are in uh, but when you take a license you get a license to run your business there's all sorts of other and these are fairly new requirements as well uh, requirements of insurance, for example, indemnity insurance, depending on which industry you're in, liability insurance, again, depending on which industry you're in. But a lot of these types of insurance are now basically uh, part of kind of the mandatory package, if you will, whenever you take a, a license, whenever you um, s- set up as a business. Uh, so, um, and that's in the event, for example, uh, something goes wrong with your business, at least you have some sort of a liability insurance uh, to, to cover you. Uh, and then for professional services, services, there is this indemnity insurance, again, which is now mandatory. Oh, not oh, That wasn't always the case, but now more and more, these kinds of insurance uh, policies are mandatory. That being said, even when they are mandatory, they are and perhaps because they're mandatory, uh, often there's not much thought that goes into in terms of, okay, what do they cover? So there's this um, a tendency to only just opt for the cheapest or the mm-hmm. most kind of a, uh, affordable option just to meet that requirement of, as part of you know, getting residence visa for your employee, for example, or as part of uh, getting your license renewed, you just opt for the cheapest. So there's not much thought that goes in often in terms of uh, What um, you you, I guess most importantly why this insurance may be required, Uh, and then because if there was that thought then you could take it further and decide okay if it's I understand now why it's required so given that what do I want the policy to include in particular if I'm going to pay for it but there's not much discussion or sort of thought that goes on with regards to that sort of level of detail. And therefore, a lot of employers, for example, what they do is that they opt for the employees for the cheapest, most basic insurance, because what is not required by law is um, a a scope of uh, policy or a scope of coverage. There's just a requirement that health insurance is required, but there's no requirement as to what the minimum scope and minimum coverage should be. So therefore, a lot of companies, at least in the case of health insurance, opt for the cheapest option. Uh, And similarly for any kind of liability indemnity insurance, it's also what's the cheapest option. Uh, now, but I think that's part of also a developing, a rapidly developing industry and evolving uh, economy. Uh, and more and more, there's, um, uh, there's, there's more thought that at least, you know, we are seeing from you know, from the perspective of, of where we sit uh, and also in, in, even in our own practice. Uh, so there's this need to, okay, let's sit down and think about it. So if I'm going to have to pay for health insurance for my employees, uh, what why am i being required to do this okay one is that obviously that i'm required to do it but two obviously the government wants for uh, for the for residents here to at least have some kind of minimal level of coverage but for me as a company why do i want to do it you know now that, is there another reason other than Okay, the government requires for me to do it. Well, the reason is that these are my employees. These are people I obviously, at least in theory, you hiring them so that you can rely on them. Mm. Uh, and so you can rely on them, so therefore you need to take care of them. Because if you want to rely on them, uh, then you need to make sure that you can you know, that that you can take care of them. And so in that case, if any one of my employees is, is sick, do I want to worry about, okay, they only have a limited uh, number of hospitals, for example, the clinics that they can see uh, that are covered by their health insurance, or do I want for them to have uh, the flexibility Uh, and options to explore. So what is in my interest? Obviously, that has to correspond with uh, the ultimate, the the financial and and the price tag, because I cannot, as a business, you cannot always afford all the things that you want, including uh, benefits for your employees. But certainly that sort of level of thought. Now, uh, should be factored into a lot more businesses and um and that's you know at that point you start looking, okay, so if I want my employees to have the options and the coverage, so then what other insurance policies exist uh, so instead of just the basic one that are often offered by, um, you know, as part of the package when you apply for a residence visa, for example. So now you start taking the time and researching more, okay, what insurance policies exist, what kind of benefits they have. So that is what we, you know, and, and I think the flip side of that is for employees, uh, they just know, okay, well, they need to have residence visa as part of that, the company will give them health insurance, but they also often don't think or ask questions about, okay, so what is included in health insurance? And this is... um. And perhaps they should. And so this is, it's often an active sort of process. It's more passive. Okay, I've got residencies, I've got insurance. Okay. But, um, and only, as you said, you only start thinking about when you actually really need it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, we see a lot more of this now, is um, if you get pregnant, uh, and uh, now you obviously want your insurance, and you're wondering, oh, does my insurance cover pregnancy, Uh, does it cover pregnancy uh, per se? And then does it cover delivery? And does it cover after delivery if there's any emergency? And then who does it cover? Does it cover just the mother or will it cover the baby? And what if um, there are some emergency procedures that need to be done not just with the mother, but also the baby? Will that insurance cover those expenses? So this is where and you know where um, I think the discussion should um, become more uh, part of our kind of day-to-day uh, you know life as, as residents in the UAE.
0: It, it's an interesting point actually because I've just got health insurance for my son. He's now 18 years old, finished school, doing a year here before he goes off to, to study and I, I was looking at policies, finally found the policy that I thought was right. I'm looking at, you know, the clauses, stipulations and everything else in the policy. But, uh, you know, it's a decision and you're right to look at the things that you need. What needs to be covered? He's a healthy 18 year old guy. I mean, it's, I mean, it's unlikely there's going to be anything drastic, but you never know. But it's the things like ambulance to be covered. If there was, if it was in an accident, for example, it's the things like that. And you need to be careful. You, you're absolutely right to look at the things that you don't expect or you hope to not happen.
1: Well, indeed. And there's other um, angles to it is that uh, there are a lot of employees here that live here and sort of work here and employ by companies here, but they spend a good part of their life, uh, for example, either working from a different country Mm. around here uh, or even sort of living and working abroad. And then um, uh, the, um, or for example, um, they ended their employment for the company, but their insurance continues, right? So the company did not cancel insurance. And often what we hear is that there is this belief, and it may be substantiated, but uh, unlikely, that what they're being told by insurance um, uh, representatives is that, well, this insurance only covers you if you're inside the UAE for example, and because you were working would this happen, something happened to you while you were outside of the UAE, even though you have an an active health insurance, it doesn't cover you because you're supposed to be in the UAE. Maybe, maybe not. This is where the fine print comes into into play. Uh, Or what we've often seen as well is that Employers, for example, want to uh, terminate an employee, or the employee wants to to resign, sort of a mutual uh, separation. But there is still interest in having health insurance continue, and the employer, the company, does not mind for that insurance to continue. But then there is this belief that, well, in fact, the insurance uh, policy is such that it will only cover that employee if he or she continues to work for the company. Well, those are two separate things because... So, in other words, you you may potentially have an active insurance coverage, but just because you're no longer working for that company, somehow it may not cover you. Now, I find it highly unlikely that in legal terms that can be a term that would... A, be addressed in the policy, and, and, and B, actually enforced. But these are the kinds of um, discussions and, and questions that we see come up more and more often. And this is why I thought that the topic of insurance is uh, a timely one to discuss now, because we're seeing so many more of these kinds of eventualities, and and um, and this is all of a sudden, people starting asking questions about, well, we've got this insurance, but what does it actually include? And can I actually avail myself of the benefits?
0: You see, most people don't look at things in the analytical lawyer way that that you do. But you're right. And and the the point you're trying to get across is look, at least read the policy before, you know, you you sign up for the new job or, or you know, question. It, it is about questioning, isn't it?
1: Well, indeed. And the reason I and I know that our perspective is not as common uh, because but, you know, we are as a law firm and. We see uh, the, these various eventualities we talked about <laughs> when they. You, you look for yes, the
0: loopholes. But well, I mean, they come need. to
1: us. They come to us yeah, sure. as well, right? People come sure. to us because, for example, uh, some of these these are actual examples of, that I, I um, sort of draw from. Is that someone wants to an employee wants to go and they want to the company wants to. Uh, to let them go, but they also want to keep their insurance uh, going because mm-hmm. let's say that person has recently been diagnosed with cancer. So they can no longer work, but the company wants to take care of them and wants to continue to provide for their health insurance. Mm-hmm. But now the question is like, well, we thought we were told that this employee will not be able to benefit from this health insurance even if the policy is active only because she is not no longer working for the company, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we see these kind of loopholes you're talking about or eventualities or circumstances When things go um, south or when things are questionable, they end up in our court. And this is why we ultimately have a a broader database of these kinds of examples. And this is why um, I draw from our practical experience to share and perhaps identify some of these issues that do come up and therefore should be looked at. And I'll tell you also why. This is an interesting topic coming from a legal perspective, is because in many cases, and I, you know, I have nothing to do with the insurance industry, <laughs> but in many cases, having an insurance plan is an alternative uh, to proceeding with a legal action. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, for example, and this is one type of insurance which is not uh, almost almost never talks about or a thought. Uh, let alone actually, um, you know, secure it in the UAE is rental insurance or property or content insurance. So uh, there is um, a very, very, very few people, and I'm not sure I know anyone, perhaps except uh, you know, uh, except, okay, maybe I, I, I. I'm
0: just pointing at myself. I've got to be honest with you. It's something I didn't have here for years, and I guess it was a few months ago. I thought, no, I'm going to do this now because I noticed a leak. And I thought, if that does burst, and it didn't burst, but I, I just thought, yeah, hold on a minute, I should do it. So now I do do it, but you're right, it's not prevalent here, home contents.
1: Exactly. So so, and that's an interesting example you just gave me. Let's use you as an example. So here you now have, um, if you don't have insur- insurance, and you do have, and most people don't, <laughs> rental insurance, sure. that is, and you're renting. Uh, so uh, if that leak does happen, and it floods your entire place, which happens Often, and we see these kinds of cases, and once again, we've yep. had many clients come our way to help them address these kinds of situations when you know legal situations. And so now, all the, um, the the leak has flooded your Persian carpets, your expensive furniture, your electronic equipment, and all the other kind of expensive things. So, what do you do? Okay, mm-hmm. can you now who's responsible? Okay, the landlord could be responsible for what? The landlord will be responsible for fixing the leak, right, and the floors and. And the walls, and replacing the tank that perhaps bursts, and whatever. But what about the contents of your of your um, uh, property? Uh, if you actually, most people might not have asked this question or looked at it very closely, but most lease agreements we have seen clearly exclude. Uh, any kind of content uh, from uh, coverage in the lease agreement themselves. So there's always kind of a limit where the landlord is responsible for structural defects and such and everything else is your responsibility. So in that case, let's say if you didn't have insurance and you had the kind of a leak, so you would come to us and say, okay, I want to pursue legal action, right? And you may it may be that in fact you have a legal basis to pursue because let's say... Uh, You knew the landlord was negligent. You had told the landlord about this leak and he knew about it and he ignored it and or or perhaps even intentionally uh, just uh, disregarded. So you can claim that he acted negligently, therefore he should still compensate you for the damages you have suffered because he had breached his obligations as a landlord, right? You could argue that. And we could argue it, and that would be the legal case. Uh But, and this is why I said, if you have uh, property or content insurance, that is your alternative. Instead of going to the court case and for us to argue that he was negligent, trying to prove your landlord's negligence you can just tap into your in, into your insurance policy and you have coverage and you have coverage not just for uh, the property that uh, that you have lost on uh, the damages you have suffered but also for alternative accommodation in the meantime think about it so it's an interesting sort of parallel it truly is insurance plan or insurance policy <laughs> Uh, that uh, is an alternative to uh, proceeding with a legal action. It may be that you still want to proceed with a, with a court action, uh, but if your insurance pays out most of your damage, or most of your damage uh, items, and also covers your at least temporary living accommodation, now your reasons for proceeding with a court action are perhaps uh, less. Uh, Or they're you know they're less serious, and so now you now you start going through. Okay, so yeah, I've suffered. Let's say I've lost a hundred thousand dirhams, but I got paid sixty, seventy thousand. Well, is it worthwhile for me to pursue the the remaining thirty thousand through the court action, or perhaps at this point? Yeah, you know, it's okay. I, you know, more I'm more or less uh, moved on. But if you have no insurance, and now we're talking about a hundred thousand dirhams in value, uh, in sort of damaged value, then your reasons for proceeding with a court case are obviously much greater. So that is an example of one type of insurance that uh, would we so many of us here would benefit from. Uh, and this is, by the way, to the exclusion of my services. Right? I I recommend this. So that you don't potentially have to come to me to, to and, and pay for legal fees to try to, uh, to, to do damage control. Uh, and so, and yet, that particular insurance is not very uh, often thought uh, or considered in this part of the world. Another type of insurance is uh, directors and officers insurance. For example, DN, uh, and it stands for DNO, directors and officers. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very rarely talked about in this part of the world. It's a lot more common in uh, countries like the U.S. And yet there are so many businesses that are set up here that are subsidiaries, branches, affiliates of foreign businesses and that are run by employees who hold in one way or another some kind of an office or a director position. But they don't think about that. They just think about, okay, here's my, you know, this is my title and uh, here's my salary and I've got my responsibilities. But in terms of when things go wrong, They don't think about, okay, so I am making the decision. So it's my country, let's say back in the U S or back in, in Germany is making me, is asking me to do one, two, three, four, five. Uh, you know, I'm not necessarily agreeing with what they want me to do, but who am I? I'm just an employee. So I will do it because they want me to sign off on these documents. They want me to buy this and that asset, or they want me to sell this and this asset, or they want me to put this and that liability on the books. But who am I? I'm just an employee. I'll do it. And so because I'm doing it, because I'm being asked by the company to by somebody, uh, maybe the board or the shareholders to do it. And then a case is brought against the company or the employee uh, for example, by the tax authorities. So in this case, this is where the directors and office insurance would come in very handy. Because here, let's say it's me working for a branch or a, a subsidiary of, of a European company, and I've been asked to do all sorts of sign-off and all sorts of documents that now the tax authorities, let's say in Europe, are starting to look into. And they're coming after me because I am the manager on a license. And I say, but uh, I, it's I, you know, I was just an employee. I was just making this decision, or I'm making this, signing this document because I was being asked by my superiors uh, to um, to sign off on this document. I may have legitimate defense, and uh, but I have to defend myself, and who's going to pay for that? So this is where the directors and officers insurance would come in. And this is where I would tap into my insurance, and then that insurance would appoint a lawyer for me, and w- who would represent me and would pay for that lawyer's fees. So think about it. It's actually a very, very interesting and very powerful uh, tool uh, for a lot, of, um, a lot of employees here who run or who are responsible uh, for their company's affairs and businesses here and who ultimately uh, would be considered as the directors and officers. In the U.S., this is a much, much more common. So anytime, in uh, you know, most cases, most companies, if you're put into a senior position, this is what are offered by default. Mm. Here, it's almost unheard of.
0: And it's an all too familiar story, isn't it? That somebody in a position of authority isn't ultimately the person with ultimate responsibility.
1: Exactly, and yet you, for them, in their minds, okay. Listen, I was my job was here to follow orders, instructions mm-hmm. of someone. Let's say in, you know, my in the headquarters, and they asked me to do it, so I didn't do it because I did it. I did it because they told me to do it, and there may be a perfectly legitimate defense. But you have to defend yourself. Sure. So and that costs money and time. So that's just another example of a, you know, directors and officers insurance that. Should be considered. Uh, one other one is uh, property insurance, and this is when you buy property. Believe it or not, as much as as active as the real estate industry we have here, that's not very common.
0: And it's not mandated, is it?
1: It's not mandated at all. It's only mandated, at least from uh, from practice, uh, and I believe this is still a requirement is it from by banks. So if you take a right. mortgage. Uh, for a property, then often banks here do require for you to do a life insurance. So in the event something were to happen to you, at least, um, they would have also life insurance to tap into to be able to sort of secure uh, repayment of their mortgage, for example. Uh, so, But otherwise, when you buy property, there's it's not mandated at all. So if I just buy for cash, I don't have to take property insurance. And and yet you're buying this very very expensive asset. Let's face it, property in Dubai in the UAE is not cheap. Mm. And and many people have multiple properties. And yet almost, I mean, I I would have to struggle to find uh, many clients or uh, many clients from the, my many clients who actually who own multiple real estate assets here who actually have insurance. They just don't really, uh, it's just not something that factors, is is factored in in their thought process when they own. And we're talking about multi-million dollar properties. Uh, Insurance is almost never a subject to consider.
0: It's remarkable. Um, Insurance often depends, I think, for a lot of people on what life stage you're at, Ludmilla. I, I think that's, for example, as a parent. Um, there's a strong argument that you should have medical insurance, life insurance, clearly so that, you know, if you get sick or, you know, if something does happen, your spouse, children are looked after. We can't get into every kind of insurance in in one single podcast. Uh, But in terms of the insurance that you need living here in the UAE, is there a general rule that you would put forward?
1: I think generally, definitely health insurance. Yeah. And health insurance, not just obviously for yourself, but like, as you said, for your whole family, in particular, your children. Yeah. And um, I would say if you rent property, I would highly recommend content insurance. If you own property, I highly recommend property insurance. Uh, if you hold a position uh, for, if you work for someone else, someone else, and you hold a position of a director or officer, I highly recommend that at least this um, that you are given, that you are provided with this insurance. As I say that, I know it's going to be a very, it's almost an impossible discussion to broach with most companies, but that's what I would recommend. Uh, and um, uh, I mean, there's obviously also life insurance, but it's not very common here because a lot of people may have life insurance in abroad uh so i'd say those are probably some of the main ones Obviously, car insurance if you have a car insurance uh for some people if you travel a lot there's also travel insurance it's not it's a lot of this insurance i understand also why people are reluctant to to uh you know, to even think about insurance because there's an additional cost yeah but as i say that a lot of this insurance if you do them kind of early on and as part of the a sort of routine, they're not that expensive. So for example, travel insurance, it's not expensive to secure travel insurance. Uh, so obviously depending on your the coverage, but there are some uh, minimal basic plans that exist that in the very least, I think it would just be, um, it would be wise for us, for many of us here living here to have that, you no know, pun intended, that insurance you know, plan. Uh, And that's because for so many of us, you know, we live here, but we are not from here. Uh, So, so many things can happen. So many eventualities can happen. And it would just add that extra layer of uh, insurance or or comfort uh, for our family members to be able to sort of tap into when something does happen.
0: That's another episode of Logical, this time insurance here in the UAE. What is a good idea, what you need to have, uh, and what you must have, uh, I guess, as well. As ever, our legal expert here on Logical, Ludmilla Marlborough, managing partner here at Yamalubit and Pleška, uh, And thank you once again.
1: Thank you, Tim. Always a pleasure.
0: You can find us at LY Law on social media, TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and more. And we've also now got an easy-to-search library of many, many podcasts, hundreds of them, in fact, on all manner of legal issues here in the Emirates that are free to download and listen to. To have a legal question answered in an episode of Logical or for a consultation with a qualified UAE-experienced legal professional, click contact at lylawyers.com.